Okay. I figured you'd show your face around me again. I guess I thought you were humiliated. You did run away, after all. I just needed to see you. And, uh, yeah? I'd like to um, take you out or something. You're married. Not yet. Not married. No, I'm not married. Look, man, I'm telling you right off the bat, I'm high maintenance, so I'm not gonna tiptoe around your marriage or whatever it is you got going there. If you want to be with me, you're with me. Okay. Too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm gonna make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. I remember that speech really well. I had you pegged, didn't I? Yeah, the whole human race pegged. Hmm, probably. I still thought you were going to save my life. Even after that. Mm. No. It would be different. If we could just give it another go round. Remember me. Maybe we can. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we wrap up our 2021 slate of films with the evergreen, very popular Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind, a romantic comedy from 2004. Now, we are... There's a little distaste in that no. introduction. <laughs> I can sense a little distaste. A little bit of foreshadowing. A little bit of foreshadowing. So popular. Very popular. Uh, so much so that... When it came out, and then a couple years afterwards, it was very high on the IMDb 250 list. And while that's not a list that is very definitive or anything, but it does capture a certain audience. And it's interesting to see the films that have staying power. It's actually plummeted all the way down to 100 uh, when I checked it last night because... You've got to make way for your Spider-Man and Avengers movies, which, while I enjoy, it's hard for me to put them as high as they are right now. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home was, I think, number nine at, at, at its, like, that first weekend. So, you know, it, it's just what the audience is responding to these days. Did you happen to check and see what Eternal Sunshine is on Letterboxd, which I guess would be, like, the film snob oh, version of interest? No, I never – I don't even think about that. I remember Parasite was, like, number one for a little while. I don't know if it is. Do you know what it is on Letterboxd right now? No, no. I uh, I assume that it would be higher. Like, I don't know if the <laughs> denizens of uh, 
letterbox that community would put spider-man no way home as the ninth most interesting film of all time but that's all that the imdb thing is right is just it's just registering like interest at the time which is why like you know you mentioned eternal sunshine imdb the top 250 is probably like what the dvd generation of film geeks because oh, like, yeah. you're gonna see a lot of stuff from christopher nolan a lot of tarantino a lot of david fincher that are probably high up there um and i, I don't personally find anything wrong with that i i'm not one of those guys that says you have to force yourself to dig back to the great films of the 60s and 70s like if you want to be a fan of what what came out during your youth that's that's cool with me i am gonna posit that there is probably a a (laughs) great difference between eternal sunshine the spotless mind and spider-man no way home but that's, you know, because I was there, Webb. I was there opening weekend for Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> Not quite the buzz as there was for the latest Spider-Man adventure. Well, uh, I'm looking at the list right now. And it's not so much a list. It's just you go into films and you uh, do most popular of all time. And Eternal Sunshine, is it is quite high. But surrounding it is the Guardians movies. You've got Into the Spider-Verse. You have uh, the Avengers films, the Infinity War and Endgame. And so there's plenty of popular stuff there. I mean, number two here is Joker. Joker! So, so I mean, I, I will certainly give the edge to Eternal Sunshine when it comes to a lot of the major blockbuster fare. Because there's obviously more interesting things going on in Eternal Sunshine. But you still hated it. No, you no. You still hated this movie. It, interesting things, including... Seeing the progression of one Jim Carrey. And I think uh, he's one of those interesting actors who we got to kind of see not so much grow up, but evolve during our lifetime. The way that we got to see Will Smith evolve. Like, I remember Will Smith. I will always remember him as Fresh Prince because I grew up watching that show. And it's wild to see him in stuff like King Richard where he's like overweight and an old man. And it's still giving a great performance, but very different from, (laughs) yeah, the yucking it up from... Fresh Prince. You know where I I say Jim Carrey is better than Will Smith, hmm. just in this context. I'm always slightly offended by the the wealthy and incredibly physically fit and charming and handsome when they <laughs> have to work really hard to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I thought about when I was watching Jim Carrey, and it kind of makes me sad because he. I don't know if it was his entanglement with Jane McCarthy where he kind of went off the, the deep end. I don't know. He he had this business where he was doing uh, the Truman Show, the Majestic, this, where he was trying more more serious fare. But still still kind of within his wheelhouse. I mean, it still uses his his charm. I think of the scene that's probably the, the poster for, for most of the you know video releases now with uh, him and Kate Winslet on the frozen lake. And he's telling her the constellations that he does not know. He's just sort of riffing. There's a little bit of the Jim Carrey. I mean, yeah, this is sad bastard Jim Carrey here. But in the comparison, I guess what I, I like more about these type of performances is while it is a different tone of Carrey, <laughs> he didn't go Raging Bull. He didn't pack on <laughs> 60 pounds. <laughs> you know, he's still he's still a charming guy. It's just like, you know, you're just getting a, a different uh, side of the disc. Uh, with Jim Carrey here, uh, playing a, a more normal person, not someone who's always on. Right, and considering he started with the Ace Ventura movies, and then The Mask, and then Liar Liar was a good balance between, I think, the comedic and some of the dramatic, and then you got, obviously, Batman. And then I remember going into Eternal Sunshine uh, when it came out on home video, 
<laughs> I picked it up from the blockbuster, being like, I feel like having a couple good yucks today. And I picked up Eternal Sunshine, not knowing, you know, not having seen anything by Michel Gondry, not knowing who Charlie Kaufman was at the time. And this is 2004, so I guess I'm pretty late to the party. But yeah, I did not get <laughs> Ace Ventura vibes in the opening scenes in Eternal Sunshine. And that didn't so much affect my viewing. It just set an expectation. I really do think that this film is quite good and it deals with an interesting topic and concept. One that I'm not as familiar with, I guess, or one that I haven't really experienced to that extent. Now, I think you and I both have people uh, or have had people in our lives who were like, boy, I wish I could just erase them from my memory because they did this to me or they broke my heart or they did... but. I never really got to the point where I was like, let me actually see if this is possible, because obviously it's not possible. But in a world where if people want to transition into like a different sex, a process that takes months or years to achieve and also to mentally wrap your head around, it seems pretty sleazy that there's a company in this world that's like, you know, your heart hurts? Okay, let's conduct brain damage and get rid of it tomorrow. That's one thing that always stuck out that rang false with me. And it's a clever script, won the Oscar for Charlie Kaufman. But I was like, man, this is made for impulsive people uh, like Kate Winslet's character. Did that ever get to you? Did you ever think about the logistics? Or was it all just good feels in this movie for you? I mean, when you put it that way, I, I didn't really consider it in that context. I was more... Thinking like, man, I'm old because uh, <laughs> I went to <laughs> I went to look up the original theatrical poster, which was it was Jim Carrey's like eyes, like sort of like as if you would rip them out of a magazine, very Truman Show esque. Oh yeah, like, his quest to find the right eyes, and where his eyes would be, it just says I'm fine without you, and it says like, and the rest of it's his like smiling face, but you can't see his eyes. And I used to have that poster <laughs> when I was a young man. <laughs> it actually presented like a probably a much darker sensibility of myself. I just thought it was a cool poster, but I, in my younger years, I don't know about yourself. I didn't really have like this, like great soul crushing romance in like high school and college. Like I date someone for like a few months and it just wouldn't work out. So I don't know if I was putting on airs at the time where I was like, yeah, I felt that for, cause I really hadn't. I was just <laughs> like, I'm the guy that would, would keep every and still do every single number of anyone I ever went out with because I want to know if they try to contact me who I'm dealing with. I don't, I'm not about forgetting. I want, I want all the information at my disposal. I'm playing defense in that regard. But the way you put it makes me think of, unfortunately, our, our progressive allies that sometimes can form their own sort of woke lynch mob where there is the accusation made of the upcoming generations that they don't want to feel bad ever. They don't want to be uncomfortable ever. And some of that is perfectly valid. You should be able to, to go to work or go out on a date without being physically accosted or made to feel less than. But as far as the world making you feel less than your best, that is necessary. Like, <laughs> like you, you oftentimes need to be checked in some way. And maybe it's just a little voice in your back of your head saying, I was kind of stupid there. That was a dumb thing for me to do. Those feelings are good and natural. So yes, within the parameters of the plot, I don't have a problem with it as far as if people have this heartbreak that is going to inform the rest of their lives in a negative way. 
Sure. Now, when you and I don't know if people have seen this, this may be slightly spoilery, but there are some other revelations where characters were introduced to have had this process done and don't remember it at all. And they're not even a part of this central romantic plot between uh, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey. That's a little dicier. If you're going to have this procedure done and you're still going to be professionally involved with these people right. that cause all these uh, personal moments and those are gone and everyone else has to act as if that never happened or never – I don't know. I, I, I didn't answer your question, Webb. I guess I would be fine with people if this was a real thing doing it. I myself would would not participate. I've not had an event in my life where I would feel the need to just uh, have the uh, – what did you say in our pre-show? Lawrence Kasdan calls it the lifted moments, not yes. the deleted moments, the lifted moments That's of your right. life. Well, uh, that actually, the subplot that you're mentioning uh, with Tom Wilkinson's character, one thing that really struck me, even in my first viewing, was that he ultimately is forcing uh, Chris and Dunst to go through with this, uh, the line where he's like, we both agree that this is what's best. And she really, but it's better for him. Exactly, not, not so much for her. Hundred <laughs> percent agree. And so uh, that weird lack of consent there uh, was an interesting viewing this time around. Considering uh, I haven't seen this movie in a little while, but you know, post Me Too and everything, and and the world we live in now, it is a very, very, uh, very stark contrast to uh, how I f- first viewed the film, and. The performances are really good. I think the music is very interesting. I think Michel Gondry is doing a fantastic job. Like all of as the movie progresses and the memories are being deleted, he films them in such a fascinating way that it really does. Like it's a weird thing to say, but if your memories were being deleted, this is a beautiful visual representation of it. So everything about this film is really really good i love charlie kaufman's work there's just something about this film that didn't it didn't penetrate my soul the way it has uh with this specific <laughs> cult following webb is not going to montauk he's like why would i do that i've got to <laughs> <laughs> i've got work and <laughs> there's these uh graphic novels i want to check out the used bookstore i've got other things i can't catch the train to montauk no okay i i somewhat agree with you um it did for me this time um, it did for me when I was younger. I did this for an old War Machine versus Warhorse episode, which may still very well be on, be on this feed if you want to dig that far back. And that was probably seven years ago, around there. It was an early one, and I didn't take to it then. And I, I do think this is one where it's, I guess, your, your sort of nostalgic vibes or the, the mood for those particular vibes where you are in your life. Because when I was younger, I sort of looked forward to this sort of love and heartbreak. Like I can't, I can't wait for my, my turn at the bat, even if it is going to turn out badly. Like I want to participate in the world like everyone else and all these movies I watch. I, I want that. <laughs> and then, you know, you get to get past your twenties and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I did all that. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I just want to settle down. I don't yeah. <laughs> need the highs and lows, but as an older man now, coming back to it, you know, uh, as I near 40, there was a little bit of a, a sort of a, a wistfulness I looked at, at especially my youth and I guess just the, the youth in general, that they're pursuing these wild swings of emotions. Um, and like, I mean, they're running in this case, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are running yet again to what we probably assume is their doom. 
like whether it's the deleted memories or in real life when they reconnect and find each other, they're coming back to it with all of the baggage and all of these horrible things and horrible memories that they tried to delete presented to them on disc <laughs> for, the, for their listening pleasure, <laughs> all of their sins. And I, I think I look at it more with uh, something I don't want to participate in, but respect. It's kind of like, you know, the, these old bones web when you look at these athletes and, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be them. And now you look at them, you're like, whew, they're earning their money. I don't want to do part of that. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to run like that. I don't want to get hit like that anymore. That's how I look at this. I look at this as some sort of great sporting activity of romance that while I can admire, I'm, I'm glad I'm retired from, from the game. I am married, by the way. I have to get down the record. I am retired. Revelation that Joel comes to towards the end of the film where he's like, no, just let me keep them. Let me keep these memories. I've, I've changed my mind. It was it was not an eye-opening revelation to me. I was like, well, yeah, this is kind of where the movie was ultimately leading to. And I was kind of surprised that an individual would not come to that realization. Because it, it, it really does... Wait, are you blaming Wilkinson here? Or Mark Ruffalo? Or... Are you, are you blaming the, the company for not in their uh, sort of pre-questioning? Be like, all right, buddy, we're you know this is not an exact science. This, we're we're going to nuke everything, everything that's associated with this person, well, that's <laughs> including the, thing. the good. When I talked about the sleazy aspect of this company, this is this, yes, I, I am kind of blaming them because it's like take a month, take a week, even you know take a few days to think about this because I think if a person steps back. It, they really would be like, all right, this is stupid. This is not something I should... The, I mean, the logistics alone being like, well, and now I have to tell all these people, don't talk about this person around me because... And that is affecting other people's lives. Did you believe... I mean, they don't really get into, I don't think, how many times this has happened, but surely this would come up numerous times. If they're sending out little, like, cards to people saying, hey... Buddy's coming off a bad breakup. You probably know it. Please never mention so and so. Yeah, and they have to send it to every person that may have been involved in this. So I'm sure Jim Carrey couldn't be the first. And Tom Wilkinson's response of "You shouldn't have seen that." I'm like, man, this this has to be like every Tuesday for them. <laughs> like they're getting in people. They're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Why does my friend have this? Why does my roommate have this little card? What's happened here? A couple's favorite waiter comes in like, hey man, I mentioned this to them. <laughs> so it's interesting because I. You you may be onto something. It probably doesn't work because, good God, I mean, look at look at internet discourse. <laughs> How are we as a society expecting all these supporting players <laughs> to participate in this ruse? You know, not everything's Shutter Island. Not everyone gets to be Leo. <laughs> you can't create a multi-million dollar stage play to fix you. <laughs> And the little doctor's office they're working out of, too. Like, you know, what Kirsten Dunst is doing, that is like, you need a full support staff 
to <laughs> manage all of the networks and contacts yeah. that's going on here. Can you imagine getting, like, a, towards the end of that movie, she's, like, on this crusade to, like, destroy everyone's lives. Can you imagine somebody <laughs> coming to you with, like, a box full of cassettes? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I have a Walkman, so I know what to do with it. I can't imagine this younger generation. Like, what is this mystical rectangle? <laughs> You and I would listen, though. We record ourselves and listen to ourselves every week. We are our own biggest fans. So (laughs) you give me a box of all my previous sexcapades that didn't turn out well. (laughs) I'm taking the week off from work so I can can listen. (laughs) Certainly. And now I am fully aware that I feel like we're getting off on this tangent about this film, about the kind of actual logistical problems. Because we're scared of love. We are. (laughs) We're scared of (laughs) discussing it. No, you it's a know, very sweet movie. It's very sweet. And I, I lived in Virginia Beach for about a year and a half, maybe a little bit more. And I did have a little bit of a life that was very removed from my family, from my other friends. And I made connections there where, I mean, even now I'm like, boy, if I hadn't met this person, I probably would have saved myself a lot of heartache and and trouble. And I could legitimately delete them from my memory and everything. But even at the time when I was feeling those things, I knew. I think back to Calvin and Hobbes. Being miserable builds character. It's like I wouldn't be the person I am and have the experiences that I have and, and also react to things that happen now if I hadn't gone through those things. And that's why I look at... Jim Carrey's character, and even the impulsive Kate Winslet here, where I was like, boy, if you just take a moment to think about it, you'll understand that brain damage because you're a little sad isn't the answer. It really isn't. So that realization at the end where he's like, no, just let me keep those memories. While it is very powerful, I feel like if he just thought about it for a few hours, a day, a fortnight, whatever, a lot of this drama could have been avoided. But Just take up drinking. <laughs> Certainly. We've already come up with <laughs> something to forget for, you know, 24 hours and then you feel sick and I won't do that again. But you forget. I think it's important that they have the, you know, they have the comedic beats where they, they try to hide uh, or, I mean, really, it's Joel, right? Like uh, the Clementine character, it's all his version of her because it's all in his own head. So it's not that that's probably... The most misleading thing about the movie, but also the whole meet me in Montauk. Clearly, her version of Joel, the one she projected in her own uh, mind, had to say something similar. There was some sort of draw for them to go back to the starting point, go back to the origin. But you have some silliness in between, like trying to hide into in childhood. Like so, there, there. He takes her to a place where she she couldn't have existed uh, in that memory. You're you're on to something here where, you know, if you watch or listen to the way children respond to any sort of negative energy, you know, the immediate temper tantrum or the, the, the howling to the heavens, why? You, you need to take your lumps. We, can, we can't have grown-ass adults <laughs> <laughs> acting like this. That's why I rarely promote this show on Twitter because I can't stand to look at it. I can't stand <laughs> to look at these 30 and 40-somethings throwing shit fits every day over – I don't know. Spider-Man No Way Home. I I just can't. I I cannot look at it. It's disgusting. I will say that I'm not discounting anybody's feelings. If you connected to this and you have that same uh, feeling that, oh, yeah, Valentine's Day, it's just a Hallmark holiday and and love sucks and it's cool to find these 
chicks with different color hair and you know whatever not that that's a thing but you know the web is taking over my curmudgeon role right there (laughs) talking about the hair color (laughs) i I, not that that's a thing but yeah I, i feel like it's almost like a stereotype it's like it's like looking at a specific audience and being like, what is this audience going to connect with? Oh, this hmm. fleety girl that changed their hair all the time. And that's that's the kind of audience that this film generally attracts. And, and it has this very self-centric, very egomaniacal view of the world. Everything revolves around them. And that's kind of how I feel about these two characters a little bit. Not knowing or not even understanding the fact that this is affecting David Cross's life quite a bit now he has to walk on eggshells and his marriage yeah he has to be the bad guy in his own home because he just he's honest he just finally tells the truth he's like i cannot i, I did not sign up to play this part of this double agent <laughs> from this broken relationship yeah okay i want to ask you on that because i felt like you were kind of getting to uh that sort of manic pixie energy with Kate Winslet, do you ever feel like it crosses into that territory? She has that line, that speech she gives, where she's like, "I can't solve your problems. I'm not. I'm, I can barely fix myself. So don't don't look to me." Yeah. Which I felt like. I think this movie predates it. I, I think it's right on the cusp because it was like I don't remember if it's Elizabeth Town or Garden State that is the origin of that. But Kirsten Dunst or Natalie Portman, one of them is the origin of that term from a uh, I guess now infamous uh, film review. But there's a lot of those characters in film-going history. It is an honest representation of <clears throat> falling in love, I guess. Yes, it where is. You, both parties probably feel they are the only two people in the world. All, their shit's the only thing that matters right now. It is so heavy on their souls that they just have to like just be in it. Uh, and <laughs> not everybody can be Mike Webb and David Cross. It's like, shut up. I'm going to tell the truth here. <laughs> Do the laundry woman. <laughs> I got to be the bad cop. <laughs> it, it yeah, if you were very much moved by those emotions and this film has a ton of them. Just because I wasn't doesn't mean your feelings towards it and your connection to it rings false at all. I it's wow, here we go. It's not so much who you love, it's like who you are when you meet them. Just a peek into our next trilogy and that's very much how you can look at certain films and there are films that i have in in my mind in my collection that i'm like wow i know that this film is not relevant to me now but because it was relevant to me at this time it'll always be relevant to me in the mood for love is one of them i watched that film at Mm. the exact right time in my life to the point where it's inseparable like i can't not think of a specific person and how I was feeling at that time. And it summed everything up about me. And maybe we'll get to it one day. And I can I can reveal that story. But for the most part, it's like I I totally get it. We're we're all um, entitled to those films. And this is certainly one of them for that specific audience. 